Bueller. 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 Ferris Bueller's Minute Off, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the John Hughes classic Ferris Bueller's Day Off, one minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby. I'm Victoria Cope. And we have the wonderful Nick Jimenez with us from Back to the Future Minute and Cornetto Minute. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. I, uh, I'm i glad we were able to get you for, for such a like momentous week of the... Uh, I know, I know. I can't believe. I always seem to luck out and get the really iconic minutes on these things. That's yeah, I, yeah. I think we got we had you for near the end of Harry. Po- You're just wrapping up the show with us. We had you near the end of Harry Potter too. Yeah, I think. the chess scene. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That was a and, lot of fun. And it's interesting because if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm coming in at the top half of Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, you're you're really early on the schedule. I'll have to let you know that'll probably happen within the next like month or so. Yeah, yeah. It's but yeah, but that's very specific. But we're not here to talk about Harry Potter. We're here to talk no, about No, no, we're here to talk about another oh another very special rule-breaking boy. Yes, exactly. Exactly. This this kid who just gets what just gets whatever he wants. People mm-hmm. just do whatever for him. Gets away with it. <laughs> you know what you're talking about? Yeah, Sorry, go ahead. Okay. No, just it it actually now that we always forget this, but you know how Harry Potter actually takes place in like the early 90s. It's Mm -hmm. entirely possible that Severus Snape like saw Harry, uh, saw Ferris Bueller in the theaters and he was like, I don't get it. (laughs) Like, I don't think it's very funny at all. He's. Oh, that makes me so happy. Uh-huh. Like, I just I just hate this kid. Yeah. Your, your, your Snape impression just makes me think it's of so the, the Potter and Puppet Pals oh. Snape, the way that sounds. Yeah. Dear, dear Diary. Dear, dear Diary. No. <laughs> the orange one in, in the Potter kid. Oh, my God. Uh, I love Potter. He, he would hate Ferris. Yes, yes, yeah. he would. Absolutely. He's like, I don't he like and Rooney would get along. I don't like this kid. This this man is very good at his job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, today we're talking about minute eighty six. You guys, eighty six, which starts. Uh, I wrote. I put that it starts with one of the saddest moments in cinema history. <laughs> oh jeez. I got a little dramatic with my notes, and it ends with uh, with a look out the window. This is a very quiet minute, but it it starts with you. You get. It's all visual. <laughs> you get the destruction of the car. It's very heartbreaking. Spoiling. Yeah, it's it, it's and it's played almost entirely straight. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like you, you killed the car always gets a laugh, but I mean, it, it's not really a in a in a movie that has some goofy moments. It, it really isn't. It's a decidedly ungoofy moment. Yes. Yeah. the The minute itself is really quiet, and they're just sort of taking in everything Cameron takes a long time just to like get up off the floor and realize like he just asked just what I what did I do what did I do I I like the 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 moment the head like Ferris turns and looks over his shoulder and then Sloane turns and looks over her shoulder and neither of them want to like tell him just how bad it is yeah Ferris like looks at Sloane like 
what do we do? Almost as if he's hoping, yeah, as if he's hoping she'll say something first. Like, mm-hmm. you want to tell him or should I? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, then, and then Cameron asks again, and he goes, you, you killed the car. It's so sad. It breaks my heart. Yeah, this car. We've talked it, so it, much about this car. And it's it's it it's quintessential Ferris and Cameron. I mean, because it, it this sounds I I get the kind of irony in this, but Ferris and Cameron's friendship is very much rooted in honesty. Yeah. Uh, like they have a very much like a no bullshit like protocol where like they will call each other on stuff, and mm-hmm. so it, it it is just you know blunt but loving. Like yeah, man, you the car's dead. Like you, yeah. <laughs> it's gone. You killed you, it. You killed the car. Yeah, and but he does, but he doesn't say it with malice or fear. He no, as very flat. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's 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 kind of direct. He's just like, this is what it is. Like we can't. It's it's, it's a statement. It's like yeah. a statement of mm-hmm. fact. It's like you you killed the car. You killed the car. Yep. Um. I t- I briefly touched on this last week, but we found out from the script, the original or the the shooting draft of the script, that uh, because they weren't using a location like this, like they didn't know they were gonna have this uh, ravine to drop the car into mm-hmm. in the script. In the script, the car like rolls down the driveway and across the street and then into like some wooded area it like hits a tree and it's a little bit different but then today i went back and i reread that bit and cameron has his whole speech where he's talking about putting his foot down he doesn't like kick the car that doesn't happen he he has his speech about needing to take a stand against his father and then he kicks the car off the jack like it's an entirely different it's a very deliberate move Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. And he's like, this is like the stand I'm, I'm taking against my father. I'm destroying the car. Yeah. And Ferris is like, why did you, you just wrecked the car. Like he's distraught about it almost. Well, yeah. And it's just a very interesting, like alternate version of how this could have gone. Like, you know, Cameron, Cameron definitely made the decision to like start kicking the car. Like he was denting the bumper. Like he's definitely, uh knows that there's going to be, like, consequences to that. But this is way above and beyond what he had anticipated, you know? Like, he wasn't expecting it to go out the window. Not just go out the window, like, flew out the window. Oh, it flew, yeah, it definitely flew out the window. Yeah, it seems that the movie on the screen tends to sort of soften the kind of more uh, Home Alone edges (laughs) that John John Hughes had in, like, the, 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 the drafts of the script. Yeah, there's a lot of moments that are a lot like. I almost want to say like meaner, like yeah, just... yeah, like Ferris like a little more of a dick, like he's like <laughs> like because like without without Broderick, he's like Broderick kind of brings that cuddliness to him. Like, yes, oh, exactly. Like, oh, well, well, this guy's never gonna hurt anybody, but on the on the page, you could be like, this guy's kind of like a little sociopath. Yeah, he's like <laughs> stealing all the money out of the house and then conning his dad and like. Uh, there's there's a bit that I really like where he goes on the radio and tells the radio guy that he's going to be the first kid to go to the moon or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just like little bits of... We're just a little more ridiculous. I don't know. They're like drinking beer when they're in the pool. Like it's not his Pepsi. Oh, jeez. There's right, yeah, bits where yeah. they're like smoking cigarettes, I think. I'm just like, I'm kind of glad that this movie... That the movie is a lot softer than that. It, it almost kind of... It kind of makes Ferris kind of like a, a kid that Bender would have hung out with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Which like, I guess is interesting because then like it it explains why someone like uh like Charlie Sheen in the police station would be friends right. with him. 
Totally. Yeah. Like that's a connective. Yeah. Like, well, well that, that's sort of Ferris's magic is that he can uh, kind of pull anyone together anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's a drug dealer, but I'll talk about that later <laughs> on in the week. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, he is just a little bit more like he's, he's like pop punk. He's, yeah. he's, he's not Iggy Pop like slashing at himself with glass like on stage. You can like, but he's still got a little just like 5% naughtiness. <laughs> yes. 5% <laughs> naughtiness. Oh, it's that's perfect. Yeah. Just just enough so Santa Claus still brings you. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like, like Sloan like Sloan's 100% introduced Ferris to like the family. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure. He's uh he's got this boyish yeah. charm that's all yeah. from all from from yeah. Broderick, which is whereas there's there's zero chance that John Bender met like Molly Ringwald's parents after no. the Breakfast Club. No, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> he just stormed off into the distance, threw his fist in the air. Yeah. He threw his fist <laughs> in the air that he kept walking. Yep, yep, yep that was it. <laughs> oh man, this is a really quiet minute. There's not. It's a lot of really great reaction shots. Uh, um, yeah, have you guys have you guys talked in great detail about Sloane's hair? Throughout the film, I, I not specifically. It's 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 luscious. In it film. is, it is. She it. Uh, I I really adore Mia Sarah. Oh, um, cool! Yeah, definitely. And and Sloan is like you know in a movie full of memorable things. Like Sloan really uh, claims her time. Yeah. Like, you know, she she definitely doesn't have like as many fun bits as as the boys do, which is unfortunately just kind of what that era of comedy was. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, yeah, she she she's as beloved in this movie as I think any anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's fun because like even though she doesn't have, it doesn't feel like she's kind of leading the day in any sort of way, but um. We we have gotten to see elements of her like playfulness, like sh- like she was teasing Ferris when they were hiding in the car in the in the in the taxi when his dad was sitting in the one next to them, and um, but she also had that really like this really honest moment with with uh, Cameron during the parade while Ferris was singing. They're talking about like what they're gonna do after high school, and it's like a good meaningful moment because before that Cameron hadn't really had a chance to talk about himself at all in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so she definitely like brings the two of them when I just didn't bring the two of them together. Like clearly it's because she's dating Ferris that she and Cameron are friends too, but they're, uh, the trio of them is a really nice dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's for a movie in the eighties, it, there, there have yet to be, uh, many relationships in teen movies that I find as honest and as relatable to my experience of being a teenager as like the the three of these kids like like the the scene i have had like conversations that are exactly like like the the sloan cameron scenes where like i'm cameron and sloan is just like whoever my friend was was dating at the time that i was like totally cool with but like not really a friend in in any like and yeah it's really there's some like this is one of the most understated scenes in the movie but the movie does breathe it yeah there are really quiet moments that I can remember. Yeah, I absolutely, I actually have a note regarding that later in this week when we get the next music cue. Like, I don't think we've even had any background music since they were at the pool, like 10 minutes ago. 
Oh, cool. And so it's all been like we had last week was pretty much just exclusively Cameron's monologue. And it's it's nice because you get. Yeah, it's definitely like feels like a pause after we had the parade a couple of weeks before that. Mm hmm. It's it's I like the balance between the two that this movie has. Like they don't feel like they're different. Um, they don't feel like they're they're different movies, right? Like yeah. even though the the scenes are completely on other ends of the spectrum of like what's going on, like one's really heightened, but they both fit in this kind of orbit with Cameron and Ferris. Yeah, and it I think it helps the characters feel more alive and and like a person than the average movie character because you see them in these the kind of quiet human moments as well as big splashy comedy moments which are just as fun yeah i like i like that they have that that balance to them makes me really happy i only have one more like i think i only had one more like actual note that i really wanted to to talk about in this minute and and it's that I like after Ferris tells Cameron you killed the car. Yeah. We get this lingering shot, like this close up on Cameron's face as he starts to walk toward the window. And then the camera turns around and we're looking through Cameron's eyes as he looks out the window. Like there's that moment where he walks up next to Sloan and and Ferris and both of them are looking like at the camera, like at us, the audience, which I think is interesting. It's the only time in this movie that we're like in Cameron's through Cameron's eyes. Right. Mm-hmm. And then your I, life, look at yeah. your life through Cameron's eyes. Yeah. And, and the only other time this happened, as far as I remember was in the very beginning when Ferris is talking to his parents, we see his parents like through his eyes, like looking up at them as they're doting on him. Yeah. And so it's interesting that they're kind of, um, I don't know. I don't know. I just, Considering in the rest of the movie, anytime someone looks at the camera, it's because they're talking to us, the audience. Like, yeah, it's an interesting way to really just put you into Cameron's head for a minute. Yeah, just for a minute. Mm-hmm. And we and look out the a, window. What a different movie that would be. I know. I just know. a just a taut thriller. As as we look at this undented bumper that we just saw him dent a minute ago. Oh. Yeah, we're looking out the window at the car, and and that's interesting. You can't. Do you think it's because it looks like the bumper is actually like fallen off the front of the car? Uh, I think it's because it wasn't attached very well. Okay. That that's why. It, well, it's it was, a, it's not the, the it's not a real Ferrari. It is yeah. the model. Yeah, exactly. Car. Um, in one of the behind the scenes things on the DVD. Alan Ruck says that the uh, the fiberglass finish of this kit car actually tore. And so the way the branches are laid, like, you can't see where it would be. But, like, it's kind of covered by the leaves and the plants below. So you can't tell. They're also really nice. lucky that they hit this fence. Like, I think I think the car wasn't supposed to roll as far as it did. And uh, it hit this fence, which stopped it from going the rest of the way down the ravine. Yeah, thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> Right, yeah, that's a little too hot, Rod. Uh-huh. Oh my god, yes, exactly. It just keeps going and <laughs> going. Go. Yeah. You just hear the crash from... from, from mm-hmm. We stay that push-in on Cameron's face. As we yeah, just yeah as you just keep hearing, like, <laughs> crash sounds. like. Oh, that'd be so sad. That's like, oh, that's gonna leave a mark. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the damage could be a lot... 
It could be. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. yeah thank God no car. one was hurt. That's the last thing this movie needs. Exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. Uh, this turned into jawbreaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a dangerous outcome. Mm-hmm. I'm just like watching the. I just feel so bad. This this really bums me out. I love this car so much. This is like in in movies. This is like, I think one of my favorite vehicles. Oh really? Yeah. Vehicles. It's such a. It's just such a pretty. It's such a pretty car. Uh, yeah. See, I just, I just, I just think of Cameron's dad, and I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he. Well, and I, so I think I think that's what is interesting about that bit in the script when when Cameron like decidedly kicks the car from the jack. Like it is a moment of like, take this, mm-hmm. which which I like. Yeah, it says no, Dad. What about you? Moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So so I think I think because like it was really satisfying when Cameron like dented the car, but I immediately am like, oh, like. This this outcome is gonna be so much worse than you were expecting, buddy. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? How do they? What happens from here? Like, we know his dad's gonna come home and they're gonna have a little chat, which we'll talk about later this week. But then, like, they have to tow this out of the ravine somehow. Oh, mm-hmm. that's gonna suck do you think his dad goes back to just like he spent three years restoring this car do you think he just starts over uh depends on how much he loves that car if he loves I it mean, as he much loves, he, if he loves it as much as cameron says he loves it then yeah he'll end up just putting the money putting back, back into it oh god yeah uh i would uh if it were me i would leave it leave it there and just start growing a garden around it oh gosh <laughs> Look, look at this cool uh, garden sculpture. Yeah, because like by the time like Children of Men happens, it'll be like a really cool like visual <laughs> aid for people. Like, oh yeah, we'll just meet by the car that's now like an, like has. And there's like a tree growing through the center of it. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, we'll meet at the car tree. <laughs> the car the, tree. The car tree. Oh man, like it's it's it's. Oh, the hot rod. <laughs> they say a boy named Cameron pushed his dad's car out of that very window. Oh, I love it. I want I want some like like post apocalyptic like just run down like overgrown oh, yeah. like, like trees are sh- yeah like at Sherman after like the bomb drops yeah yeah nature's just reclaiming everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the the tree car I I dig it. I think that was okay. I think that was everything I have for this minute. Sweet, cool. I'm I'm good if you guys are good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Want to let everyone know where they can find you, Nick? Yeah, you know you can follow me at Nick M Jimenez, and uh, if you're listening to this, odds are you're going to DuelingGenre.com, and I thank you for that. And uh, that's where you can find all of the podcasts that I do. All of the podcasts. There's so many good ones over there. So guys, check those out. Of course, we're mm-hmm. also at DuelingGenre.com. This show and Harry Potter Minute are both over there. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, all those things. And uh, come back tomorrow for Minute 87 of Ferris Bueller's Dale. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Dog shit. <laughs> oh, 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 oh.